Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So what we've been doing in the last three weeks of our sermon series called The Cross is we have been exploring and to a certain extent experiencing the horror and the beauty of the cross. By delving into how God took this instrument of torture and death intended to strike fear into the hearts of everyone who encountered it and used that as the very instrument to save, redeem, and restore all things. Or in week one, as we face the cross, what we experience is that crucifixion really is one of the most horrible ways a person could die. In that it was this instrument of torture and death designed to cause people to suffer for hours and maybe even days as they slowly suffocated. Then in week two, as we got into some of the deeper meanings of the cross, what we discovered is at the same time that the cross acts as a kind of mirror reflecting back to us our fallen nature, what it is that we're capable of as human beings. It also reveals to us just how big and magnificent our God really is and that our God has taken the worst parts of what we have to offer. That's what the cross represents. And instead of using that against us, has used that to show us his love and to save us. And then last week, what we experienced by focusing in on the suffering that Jesus endured and the suffering that we have all faced in this life, we discovered that it doesn't matter how hard this life may get. We serve a God who meets us in those dark places and suffers with us, always giving us what we need to walk out of the darkness and back to the light. There's always And so today, as we continue our journey into the horror and the beauty of the cross, we have now gotten to the point where it's time to talk about some salvation or how it is that God has used this instrument of torture and death to save and redeem and restore all things. And it is absolutely magnificent. But before we do that, before we get to that, we first have to talk about the fall. We have to talk about the problem of sin. Then we need to do a little bit of work in the ancient Jewish sacrificial system so that we can then get into how God used the cross as this instrument of salvation to set us free, eternal life, all those great things. So in the beginning, after God created his good world, we find the Adam and Eve event. And in a nutshell, what happens in this story is that after God created a paradise for humans, to inhabit with him where everything was as it was supposed to be, Adam and Eve and their lust to become like God. With a little help from the tempter, take and eat of the fruit of the knowledge of tree, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God told them not to do, and sinned against God. And what happens as a result of that sin? is that Adam and Eve's relationship is broken with God. That's what being kicked out of the garden is all about. Or the way I understand it, the Adam and Eve event puts into perspective the problem of our existence and that the reason why the world and our lives are not what they're supposed to be, 
or the reason why we are estranged from God is because like Adam and Eve in our free will, we have chosen to become like God's. Or instead of listening to and following the ways of God, which is what's best for us, which keeps us in relationship with God, we have chosen to go our own ways, which is sin. The result being that not only are our lives filled to overflowing with evil and chaos and even death, but that we have this broken relationship with God. It's like sin severs that connection that we have with God, or, or that is the problem, that, that God is working to overcome throughout the entirety of the Bible. So what we find God doing in response to this problem as we read through the Old Testament is that amazingly, God didn't turn his back on these ungrateful creatures who constantly turned their back on him. No, God, out of his love, went to work doing what he had to do to win his children back or to live in relationship with them because that's what God wants most. What God wants most is a relationship with every single person who has ever lived. And the way that God went about doing that in the Old Testament is that God met people where they were using the sacrificial system, giving people a way to be forgiven of their sins or giving people a way to live in relationship with God as they continued to sin. Or the way that system worked, very simply put, is that a person who sinned against God would come to the temple of God and offer a sacrifice. And how a sacrifice worked, and you can't think blood and guts here. This is where we kind of go to because it's just such a foreign thing to us. You can't think blood and guts. They were around that stuff all the time. So how a sacrifice worked is the one who sinned against God would bring a specific kind of animal to the temple They would then hand that animal over to the priest to be ritualistically slaughtered or ritualistically killed and then put up on the altar of God to be burned up as a gift to God. And all because at that time, that's how one went about being forgiven. That's how their relationship with God was restored. But contrary to popular opinion, the animal that was killed to be offered up to God was not sacrificed because God was angry or needed something to die to appease his wrath. No, the way the ancient Jewish people understood a sacrifice is they were simply offering God a gift to say they were sorry and to ask for forgiveness. Ultimately, they did this so they could restore their relationship with God. I mean, that's just how it worked in the ancient world. It's how it worked between people, and it's how it worked with God. Or to put a bit more clarity to this, let's just say that a man named Tom did something like stealing some money from a friend, Edward. Now, of course, because Tom stole some money from Edward or sinned against his friend, what happens to that relationship? It's severed, right? That's what happens when you sin against someone. So in the ancient world, if Tom wanted to restore his friendship with Edward, what he would have to do, because this is how it worked, is he would have to go to Edward's house and offer him a gift as a way of admitting he was wrong and asking for forgiveness. And if Edward receives that gift, because he could deny it, right? That's how Edward accepted Tom's apology and how their relationship was restored. Or for those of you who have been married, this is kind of like that one time you found yourself in the doghouse. And to get out of the doghouse, you needed to offer a gift, like a peace offering kind of deal. Well, that's the same logic the ancient Jewish people used when making sense of how sacrifices work. 
in that when a human sinned against God, their relationship was broken. And so what a human had to do to restore their relationship with God was to go up to the temple, the house of God, and offer a particular kind of sacrifice to admit their guilt and ask for forgiveness. And the way that God received that sacrifice or offered forgiveness to restore this relationship is that the sacrifice was burned up on the altar. And it went up to God. And this is one of the things that that I don't think we get very well because we don't think in this way. In the ancient world, most people believe that God was somewhere up there. You had the heavens, right? God is up there somewhere. And so if you wanted to get something to God, one of the ways you would do that is you would burn that on the altar. And so when something is burned up, that's like a symbolic act of God receiving that gift and offering forgiveness and saying that the relationship has been restored. You guys see that? Isn't it cool when you kind of put it into context and begin to wrap your brain around it? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So let me just put it one more time really simply. Really all sacrifices were for the Jewish people were gifts they were giving to God after they sinned to admit their guilt, ask for forgiveness so their relationship could be restored. That's what's going on there. All right, you guys good? You guys ready to get in the good stuff now? Okay, so now that you have a basic handle on the fall, and in a sense how the ancient Jewish sacrificial system worked, although you really don't get that, that's just a little taste of that. We're now finally in the place where we can begin to understand what it is that has been offered to every single one of us through the cross of Christ. Or what it is that God has done through the cross to save the world. So while keeping all that we have just learned in mind, one of the most interesting things you will find out about how the New Testament talks about Jesus' death on the cross being a sacrifice, which I believe is the key to understanding what's going on here, is that this sacrifice is not being offered by people to God. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? No, this sacrifice is a gift that is being offered by God. Or to see this, just think about that that most famous verse we all have memorized because it puts into perspective what the cross is all about. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Who's giving the gift here? God is the one giving the gift here. He gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Again, notice, God is the one offering the sacrifice here. And in the ancient world, that would have blew their mind. We've heard this so many times, we get it. But in the ancient world, what, that's not how it's supposed to work. We're the one who's supposed to be doing it. So, what I think it means is that God is the one offering the sacrifice here is that God, out of his infinite love and longing to be in relationship with every single person who has ever lived, because remember, that's what God wants most, has instead of waiting around for people to offer sacrifices so they can be forgiven or so that they can live in relationship with him, which is something they would have to do over and over and over again, has taken matters into his own hands. And he's taking care of it himself. Or decided that to overcome the effects of estrangement and sin that have happened as a result of the fall. To offer the gift of forgiveness and salvation to the entire world by giving his life as a gift. As a sacrifice. Come on, people. 
This is, this is a picture of a God who was so madly in love with us. He's chasing after us. Instead of waiting around for us, he's like, no, no, no. Here's the gift. Here's the gift, which is an action that not only shows us the magnitude of God's love in that he gave everything for us, but it's an action that gives us a clear, undeniable path back to our God. Because all we have to do to receive this gift, we don't have to go and offer sacrifices anymore. We don't have to jump through hoops or anything like that. We have to say yes to Jesus. We have to put our faith in the one who gave everything for us. Or as Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 explains, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> okay. So, what I see going on on the cross as God gave his life, as God gave his everything, is that our God, out of his love for every single one of us, because what God wants most is to be in relationship with us, has offered us the greatest gift that has ever been offered to the world. And all we have to do to receive that gift or to live into a relationship with him, starting now and going on forever, because remember, this is an eternal decision, is to say yes. Yes to the kingdom of God. Yes to the gift offered on the cross. Yes to the miracle of resurrection, which we're going to talk about next week. And yes to Jesus. Or that is how God took the cross, that instrument of torture and death, meant to fill people with fear and use that, transform that into the very tool he used to show us his love, forgive us our sins, so that we can enter into a deep and abiding relationship with him that starts now and goes on forever. Oh, that is the good news. That's not only the good news we're supposed to receive every single day as we say yes to Jesus. That's the good news we're supposed to go out and tell every single person so they can have the same thing. There you go, Garrett. Now, if you happen to be in here and you have never said yes to Jesus, I would recommend that if you have this burning inside of you like this is something you have to do, just do it. Just do it right where you're at, in your mind, in whatever you need to do. Call out to God and say, yes, I give you my everything. I give you my life. I give you my faith. And if you do that, come see me because I want to walk you through what it means to do this every single day of your life. Or maybe you're, if you're one of those people who yeah, I need uh, to have a few more questions answered, please come and see me sometime this week. Because it would be my honor and privilege to introduce you to and help you to connect with a God who loves you so much that he gave everything to be with you. 
Mm. <laughs> you guys are supposed to be cheering and going, What I want you to get, what I want you to get, which we kind of take for granted because we hear it all, all the time. What I want you to get is that the creator of the universe is so madly in love with you and so madly in love with everyone who has ever lived that he has given everything for you so he can be in relationship with you, which we are called not only to accept, but we're called to go out and share with everyone we know, not being jerks but by showing his love because we want them to have what we have. Let us pray. Father, we're blown away. After walking through all the darkness that the cross has to reveal and just how horrible it is and what it has to show us about who we are, we get to the place where we see what you've done and we just can't believe it. It takes our breath away. But you, in response to the horror of the world, the sin of the world, have taken that sin. Instead of using it against us, have used it to offer us the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of relationship with you. So, Lord... If there is anyone in here who has never made that commitment, if there's anyone in here who has never said yes to you, Lord, let them do that. And may we know about it so we can help them. And then for everybody else, may they come to understand that following you is not a one-time decision, but it's something we say yes to every single morning. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You join me in Jesus Paid It All, verses 1 and 4. So as we come to the table of our Lord this morning, it is my hope that as we partake in, in these very symbols which represent everything that Jesus gave for us, 
that you will use this as a moment to say yes. Yes to who Jesus is. Yes to the kingdom of God. Yes to the cross, to the resurrection. And yes to what it is that he is calling you to do with your life. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. He blessed it. And he broke it. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Broken for you. In the same manner after dinner, he took the cup. And he blessed it. He says, this is the cup that is poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of all sins. Which means every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do so in remembrance of our Lord. Let us pray. Father, as we come to this table to remember the sacrifice, the gift that you offered on the cross, may we use it as a moment to accept your gift by saying yes, by giving you our faith and committing our lives to you either for the first time or for the thousandth time. Lord, help us to be a people who continue to walk in your ways by saying yes to you every single day. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.